0: Hey everybody, it's Kevin. A little bit of information about this episode. This is episode three where I interview my younger brother Brian. Brian uh, is my younger brother. He has struggled with addiction for a good chunk of his life and currently is 15 months sober which is the longest that he has been. We talk a lot about Uh, this for probably about the first 45 minutes of this episode and then after that we talk about uh, the UFC and the big fights that have been going on a couple recent fights there is some swearing in this episode nothing crazy out of control well I guess we say fuck a lot Uh, well I do he doesn't say it a whole lot so heads up Enjoy this episode, let me know what you guys think, and we will do more episodes of interviews in the future. I have a couple lined up already. Thank you. Enjoy. Welcome to the East Coast Blunder Podcast, episode three with your host, Kevin. I'm here today with uh, my first guest that I'm going to interview for the podcast. Uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself, and then we will go from there. Go ahead, bud.
1: Alright, so uh, my is Brian. I, uh, I'm from Mentor, Ohio, 28 years old, and I am Kevin's brother.
0: Alright, and uh, there's a couple of reasons why I wanted to bring Brian on for this. Um, one, I'm pretty comfortable talking to the guy. I've been talking to him for 28 years, um, give or take, considering we were very young, um, when obviously he was brought into this world. Um, so... We're going to talk about uh, some MMA stuff, um, music, all kinds of things. Um, it's kind of just a free-form interview. Uh, but one of the things that I, I wanted to really do when I brought him on here was to talk about uh, addiction and his uh, kind of working towards recovery. Um, I can let him talk about it. Uh, you feel comfortable talking about that, like explaining like all your what you've been going through and what you've gone through in the past?
1: um i mean it depends how you want to do it if you want to do it in question format or you want me to just give a rundown uh it's however you want it man
0: yeah man so uh yeah go ahead and do a do a rundown and then i'll ask questions um where i feel needed um or not feel needed but where i guess kind of the best time to do it right so go ahead and just give us a quick rundown or even long it doesn't matter man it's up to you you can take it as far or not as you want but uh go for so it So
1: basically from from use like from the beginning of my use
0: Yeah like do you remember the first time you
1: used Yeah 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 the first time I ever was intoxicated or on anything it was uh what new year's 2000 and Four maybe in six. I was in sixth grade. I was over my friend's house. I was at their older brother's house, and uh, I drank a bunch of wine coolers and strawberry daiquiris, and drank until I got very sick and didn't think I ever wanted to do that again. Yeah, um, but that was that was the first time I ever got drunk or under the influence of anything to an extent of where it really messed me up all
0: right um do you re- i mean I, know, I i mean i know who you're talking about right we're not going to mention names all right so do you remember the first time that you used where it had become a problem like where you just like the beginning of the addiction verse you know what i mean like obviously you did that in the the sixth grade but after that um do you remember the first time where it was like it was going to become a problem, or it had started to become a problem? Right. Can you recall the beginning of that?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't have many consequences through like high school and everything. Right. You know, I partied all through high school. I uh, was—I mean, you remember—I smoked a bunch of weed. Uh, just a huge stoner. Uh, by the time I was fifteen, I was taking hallucinogens, random pills, methadones, Percocets. Xanax, uh, taking a lot of acid, messing around with mushrooms and all other types of stuff. Um, by the time I dropped out of high school, um, I was mainly drinking. I mean, I was still taking other drugs, uh, pretty frequently, mainly Xanax and drinking on top of it. So I would just black out and you never knew what Brian you were going to get, you know, um, Pretty much when I was 20, just right after I turned 20, I had my first uh, legal consequence. Right. I'd have to say that was the first thing that ever opened my eyes to uh, to where I, I might actually have a problem, that there might be more to it, just being that, you know, I was facing a felony four and an M1, and I did something I thought, I you know, I, I truly thought I would never do. Um, whether I was intoxicated and blacked out when it happened or not, you know, I still did something against my morals and, uh, you know, it really messed with me. And that was, I think the first time that I went into, uh, Laurelwood, which is here in Ohio. And, uh, it's like a, like a rehabilitation center, pretty like a detox rehabilitation. And I'd, I'd have to say that was the first time, probably about 20 years old.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I remember that, uh, unfortunately I remember that pretty vividly, um, we're not going to get into it, but it was, uh, I agree, I was really shocked when that had happened, there I remember a lot of those times, uh, actually I remember when you were staying with me around that time, and, uh, I do remember when you were talking about not knowing what Brian you would get, um, you know, I remember the one time that you had come home and tried to fight me. <laughs> and uh luckily no one got hurt in that situation, but uh I do remember that pretty 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 vividly. Um I do know um you know that whole thing, we know how it played out and it was it was good, right? I mean, you, it wasn't the worst thing that could have happened along the lines of how it played out. Um you know, Do you remember um, what finally got you to get to the point where you were able to make your uh, sobriety stick? Because I know that, um, you know, I'll let you explain it, but I do know that there are multiple attempts that were kind of unsuccessful, right? Um,
1: yeah. Yeah, let me, uh, I'll just give a quick run through. Yeah, yeah. Um, so pretty much after that, uh, you know, little consequence there, I kept going out, I kept using, and it developed into something worse. Um, mainly, you know, smoking crack, doing heroin, uh, and i I just fall apart really quick. Uh, and i keep trying, I'd reach out to the 12-step program, and for five or six years, man, I, I really would go to these meetings and try to talk to people. And I got along with people, but I wasn't really ready at that point. You know, maybe the consequences weren't great enough. Maybe I didn't realize, uh, how severe the situation was. Um, and I, I'd say around 2016, uh, was when it started getting really bad. Uh, you know, my dad passed away and it turned into just me going off the deep end uh, and then I got into a sober house a couple months after he passed away and that sober house was the first time I ever had any real sobriety, probably from the time I was 13, 14 years old. Uh, I'd say 14 cause I was smoking a bunch of weed nonstop all the time. So I never had much sobriety, but I, when I went to this treatment center, you know, I left there with, three and a half months of sobriety, you know, and, and a 12 step program to help me look at my decisions and my actions and what I've been doing over the past couple of years and really see what I was doing in my life. And I was disgusted, you know, I wasn't happy with who I was and it just, it, it did me some good to look at my part in all these situations where I blamed other people and, you know, I'm not going to get into the 12 steps of the program, but you know, I really got to take a look at myself and really want to, uh, make the change and do something. And that lasted for like a whole three months after I got out of that place before I started, uh, using again. So I started taking this Russian pharmaceutical that I didn't consider a relapse, uh, because I didn't think i i thought i was cutting corners i thought i was shooting angles i thought i was doing something that was okay because i'd pass a drug test and i could function on it and i could talk to people and and my anxiety was gone and you know all these years anytime i ever tried getting sober i dealt with you know crippling anxiety uh depression the stuff got rid of it man and they told you don't take more than up to four grams a week and By the end of it, I was taking 20, 25 grams a day. It became a pretty expensive habit. I mean, not nearly as expensive as a heroin habit, but... So, I'm on that for a couple months, taking that. And, uh... I ended up relapsing. What I considered the real relapse, where I was, uh, shooting a bunch of meth, shooting a bunch of heroin, uh, smoking crack. And it all started off with, uh me and a friend of mine from down here, who's also sober now, which is really cool. Uh, Me and him went out, bought some crack, and it was game on. From there on, it was just nonstop. I wasn't sleeping, days awake. I'm taking the Russian pharmaceutical. I'm taking, uh, you know, doing shots of meth. I'm doing shots of dope. I'm eating Xanax, and I'm off ripping and running. And I, you know, I do this for the next couple months, and, I'm losing my mind, my my girlfriend's losing, you know, she's watching me lose my mind, me thinking people are there, like, outside of my house, Uh, you know, like, full-on sting operations, man, and before I know it, in uh, March of 2018, uh, one of my closest friends, you know, he sends me a message, and, and I'll always remember this, man, I even, I got the screenshot saved, because it's, it's a reminder of what's out there you know, just waiting for me. Uh, The last message he ever sent to anybody was, well, he texted me and said, I think I'm going to turn myself in because he had warrants out for his arrest. And I said, yeah, man, are you going to actually do it this time? And he responded back, probably. Elaine's starting to hate me. I worry my parents to death and I'm a fucking maggot. I shot him a text back and told him like, hey, dude, just, you know, Figure it out. Just turn yourself in and get this shit over with, and we'll be okay. Uh, he died within—I don't know. It had to, a couple minutes of sending that text because he never read my response, and his mom found him dead in the bathroom downstairs. I mean, far beyond—you uh, know, resuscitating him. You know, fentanyl and, and meth—it's one—it's—it's it's one heck of a mixture, man. You know, that was my go-to. That was his go-to on top of just other research chemicals, his heart exploded. Um, couldn't take it. Did such a big shot, his heart exploded. For the next month, I was still getting high, I remember, you know, at this point, if I took it back a little bit, I've lost a good handful of friends, you know, due to, due to drugs, due to addiction, and, uh, the next month or so, I was, I was pretty pretty messed up, man. That was literally one of my best friends, and, you know, just boom, gone. Well, come April 6th, 2018, I remember, uh, well, April 5th, I was out getting high, and I came home, and I remember walking in the front door, and that's the last thing I remember, and the next thing I know, I, I got a couple police officers and paramedics standing above me, and, you know, I fell out in my living room. And, uh, right in front of a five-year-old kid, my girlfriend's kid. And, uh, it's not something you're proud of. It's not something that makes you feel good. You know, it's something that you really beat yourself up on. And that was, I was like, I need to do something. Like, I really need to do something about this because look what just happened. That kid will probably remember this for the rest of his life. That's what I'm thinking in my head. Uh, You know, luckily, I don't think he does remember. (laughs) You know, the kid loves me still, which is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely good. You know, what's that? I said it's definitely a good thing, right?
1: Oh, for sure. So, uh, you know, I I reached out to some people. And uh, I met up, you know, with a a good buddy of mine and his family all dabble in this program. And, uh, you know, live their life by this program. And I had some people help me out. The only thing is, is for these next six months, when I was telling everyone I was sober and I was working this program and and talking and meeting these people, I kept telling all these people I was sober and I was doing the right thing. I never stopped taking that Russian pharmaceutical. Yeah. I I always took, I was shooting that angle at all times. Right. Um, Because if I didn't have it, holy crap, the withdrawal from that. Look, I've shot meth habitually. I mean, I've gone through opiate withdrawal. I've gone through benzo withdrawal. I've even had the DTs. I mean, just... I've, I've been through it all. Nothing in the world compared to what this stuff did to me. I mean, I'd be convulsing at the edge of my bed uh, if I didn't take it by a certain time in the morning. You know? Uh, you just start hallucinating. I'd, I'd become delusional, man. Like, I'd literally fall into a psychosis and, and just... On top of that, so what this stuff is, is it's a a GABA-B agonist drug. And if you don't know what that is, uh, pretty much alcohol and benzos affect your GABA receptors. It has to do, like your GABA receptors have to deal with like anxiety uh, in your central nervous system. Uh, Any GABA-A, GABA-B agonist drug or alcohol um, has like anxiolytic effects. So it calms you down, it you know, gets rid of that anxiety, makes you feel good, make, kinda careless, you know, that's what I was always looking for, those GABA drugs, those things that made me happy. Um, uh, which is why I like nuts so much too, because I just hit every neurotransmitter in your brain. Um I would t- withdrawing from the head was so terrible. I'd be in my, my bedroom just crying. And I wouldn't know why. And I wouldn't understand, and I'd be seeing things in the corner corners of my eyes while I'm shaking, just uh, beaten down and broken, so I had to take that, and I couldn't tell nobody I was taking that, so for six months, actually, yeah, about six months, I lied about it and didn't tell anyone. Come August uh, 2018, another super close friend of mine passed away, uh, same thing, just fentanyl, overdose, and he was gone. I used that as an excuse to then relapse again, which technically I never got sober cause I was taking that, that Russian pharmaceutical. Um, and I was shooting a bunch of meth and a bunch of dope, eating a bunch of Xandex. And when I say dope, I mean fentanyl. There's no real heroin in Ohio. Um, so I did that up until December, December 16th. I overdosed in a gas station bathroom, uh, I remember that. supposed to be at a family party.
0: Yep, I remember um, that.
1: Yeah, it, I, I didn't hear what you said there.
0: I said that I remember that pretty vividly.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I uh, didn't make it to that Christmas party. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, I ended up in the hospital. In this, the police officer that found me, you know, they found the needle. And they found, well, they tested the needle, so they marked me with the well, were attempting to charge me with an F5 fentanyl possession and a M2 drug abuse instrument. And he kept just telling me I was detained, had me handcuffed to the hospital bed, and then they let me go after like two hours of getting my fluids in and, and all that stuff, and I got out of there. So I did what any good junkie ever is going to do. Hey, I got a freebie. I'm out. I went right back to getting high right away. So two days later... um I'm up to my same old shit with a bunch of scumbags that I hang out with and we're getting high in this hotel and one second I'm there and then I'm, it was like I shook my head and opened my eyes and uh, I got two police officers standing over me about several felonies sitting on the counter and a felony sitting in my pocket and, you know, the, that situation without getting into detail, you know, I got super lucky that day you know, one of the police officers who found me was super kind and uh, only charged me with an F five methamphetamine possession <laughs> and uh, <laughs> only. So, yeah. yeah, Well, Thank God, dude, because had seen What else was in that hotel, man? I'd I'd be sitting on multiple felonies. Um, I've been I've been sober since the next day. Yeah. I didn't stay sober that day. I was already high, but then next day, I went into Laurelwood again. I tried to go to detox and wasn't happening. Yeah. So that Russian pharmaceutical that I thought I could never get away from, it took me three and a half months to taper down from the dosage I was taking to even somewhat be normal again. January and February of 2019 were so miserable. I was just taken enough to not withdraw, mm-hmm. just to taper down. And, uh, Dude, I I have notebooks. I I got notebooks right next to me right now. Like, I write in them every day, just my thoughts and feelings, and uh, they're scary. They're really scary, man. I I don't wish that upon anybody. Those probably the darkest moments of my life, but honestly, it's also probably the thing that's keeping me sober right now is remembering, you know, this is is it. This is what's waiting for me, dude. Do I really have it? What is going out and doing something going to do for me now? You know, I made it through this withdrawal. I've, I've made it, you know, I made it to my year mark in December 19th, 2019. I made it a year. I'm finally feeling normal, man. That anxiety's finally away. That depression has gone. I'm laughing with people. I'm joking with people. I feel good. I'm able to talk to people in public, which is strange. You know, for me, like, I've always been able to in small groups, just a couple people, but not large groups. I wasn't able to do it, you know. Yeah. Here I am. You know, what's today? The thirty first, March thirty first. I'm a little over fifteen months sober, and uh, the only thing, whenever I think about getting high, just don't get me wrong, I do. Uh, well, I don't think like I plan on it, but it's a thought. It pops in my head from time to time. I have dreams, you know, but I know what's waiting for me out there. What's waiting there, <laughs> crippling depression, crippling anxiety, and death. I've lost so many close friends. You know, I've, I've come close to dying myself. God knows him how many times, man. Uh, the amount of, of drugs and, and just chemicals I've put into my body all at once to just see how far I could push a man Should, could kill anybody, man. It's a, it's a luck of the draw. I've, I was lucky. You know, I, I, I'm the one who's alive. Right. All those friends I got, they're all dead, man. And the one that is still alive that I used to party with is miserable. Yeah. He's just still lucky somehow, you know, doing his thing. I don't wish it upon anybody and and but if people like me and and a lot of other people I know can get sober and do the thing. I mean, it's it's achievable. No one's stuck. No one's not able to uh to beat this thing. It's very it's a very achievable thing. Right. I think for anybody
0: yeah absolutely right you got to kind of find your your why right it's a why to stop um Uh, i am kind of lucky um i might be the only one in our family who uh who hasn't had some kind of substance abuse issue um you know uh, which is uh you know uh, people always find it weird, even when I tell them that I've never like smoked weed, right? Uh, people think that I'm fucking like lying because I'm such a fucking weird dude, right? Uh, and uh, you know,
1: oh, I tried getting you too.
0: I know you did, <laughs> but you know that didn't, I'm you know, never happened. I know, um, but you know, I, I think this kind of it's a uh, uh, something important to kind of point out is it where uh, people don't understand how bad. M- northeast ohio is for drugs right um oh you say that you know you say that you've lost friends right and i i know all those people personally right to some degree um some more than others um you know and i tell people when you know like we'll know when a bad batch comes down through here because you'll see you'll just hear overdoses going out left and right all in the same relative area and um it, but it's never been as bad as like what we what I saw back in Ohio right like especially now like I've probably lost a dozen friends back home uh, in Ohio to heroin and uh oh yeah easily two dozen acquaintances um ash my wife will tell me like just one day out of the blue like hey somebody died from heroin right somebody she knew uh, somebody she grew up with right and it's uh And I I think you hit the nail on the head by saying that it's the luck of the draw, right? Especially when you get involved with, like, you know, these, you know, these pharmaceutical, you know, like, analogs where, you know... The opiate
1: analogs?
0: Yeah, like U 47, or four seven seven hundred or whatever. I
1: mean, dude, there's... Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there.
0: No, 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 you're fine. Um, But no, you're right, man, right? There's all these analogs that are just... Worse worsen the things that you can get your hands on right like and it's wild and you know it, it it's uh it's really really uh just a it's just a strange thing man and uh you know i don't uh, you know it's good to see that you you made it because i i i remember talking to somebody um you know back home and uh when you had overdosed the day of the Christmas party. I was, you know, I was pretty sad, but I, I told my wife, uh, I told Ash when you weren't answering the phone, I'm like, he's using, like I knew, right? And, uh, and then I'm like, ah, oh, well, you know, you told me what had happened and I'm like, okay, I remember the two days later thing. And, uh, I was like, fuck man, we just went up for like a Christmas visit and we're about to go back for a funeral. That fucking beat me up man you know um it w- it was strange because it was like you know when dad passed it was sudden we didn't know um but what we did know is that dad was three years sober right um which was huge yeah. um kind of a, a background on that uh, our father was a longtime alcoholic drug addict who made it to was he 58 when he finally got sober? for like yeah, the the fun. At Yeah, so he would have been 58 and uh it it's pretty wild um because you people I've seen people here who are like shocked that there's older people overdosing. I'm like shit, my dad was doing that. till He was 58. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh no, you know, not no, like it's some
1: our our dad was doing real heroin.
0: <laughs> right. No, for sure. And you know, not that it's a contest and I'm not laughing cuz I actually think it's funny. You know what I mean? But like kind of you know, it's it just it just seems real weird man and uh you know i remember i you know i remember you dealing with those hallucinations where you thought that there was a sting and there was like cop cars outside your house and you were just super paranoid and you're like there's no cars." i remember you called me once and you were like there were no cars on the street man i don't know what's going on he's like there's something going on like and i remember that paranoia and uh yeah but i was in north carolina right i'm 600 miles away from you so i can't even like um like see what's going on or come talk to you or be around you and it was just real strange man um and i think it i think it kind of is important that people understand that you know there's a you go through all that darkness and there's a there's a light at the end of the tunnel right um you found it right And like you said, it is luck of the draw, right? To still be standing. Um, You know, you never know when it's going to be your time. Especially when you're, you know...
1: Oh, I've I've done the same shots, the same exact size shots that my buddy did that would drop them. You know? Yeah. I sat there with my friend's overdose right next to me and me freaking the fuck out. You know, luckily it wasn't anything fatal. And we had the right equipment to handle the situation, but uh, we were doing the same size shots. They were no different. The only thing that's different is if I wasn't there, he'd be dead.
0: Right. Yeah, it's kind of a kind of a wake up call, right? It's kind of a a really like a rude rude wake up call, right? I mean, it it just it's something else. Let me ask you another question. Do you remember how many attempts you've had at trying to get sober?
1: No clue, man. I got so many sobriety dates. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I mean, dude, well well over a dozen.
0: Right. Well, and so that...
1: That's, that's, I'm going to say actual attempts, though. Real, real, I'm doing it at attempts. Four or five.
0: Okay. So, I mean, it's more than half, one, right?
1: Half, half-assed, I'm just going to do this thing. Right. Well over a dozen.
0: Okay so so here let me let me uh uh, say this and this was something that actually happened semi-recently and i don't know how honest this person was being when this came out of their mouth but uh somebody had said you know we should give them one shot and if they don't take it then that's it we shouldn't you know they shouldn't waste their time on people and i'm like you know when that first had come out i'm like whatever like shut the fuck up right like but the more I sat and thought about it, the more it pissed me off, because, like, I sat and thought about how many times I've watched you and dad try to go through sobriety, and I'm, like, motherfucker, like, if they had tried once after, like, you know, being Narcan or whatever, and then it happened again, and we didn't do anything, like I wouldn't have my dad or my brother, right? We wouldn't have many mutual friends of ours right like we know a whole bunch of people each that you know mutual and or like my friends and your friends right who've gotten more than one shot at this right and it just chapped my ass and i was like man fuck you asshole like and luckily i don't know the person well enough where i'm gonna reach out and say something to him because I, i you know after I sat and thought about it for a while, I actually got really, like, heated about it.
1: Well, let me put it this way. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm if, if I'm, and this is 100% the truth, man, and, and the program that I'm in, the, well, I can't even say that I'm in. The the program that I utilize, uh, the other people that work this program, you know how many people I know that got it on their first try? I mean, honestly, got it on their first try. One. I know one guy. One guy. I'm super close with him. He's a really good guy. He's been sober for a couple of years now. But look, man, I know guys that have failed miserably in and out of the program for years. they got 10 years now. Yeah, they got 15 years sober. You know, guys that got five or six years, but for the first 10 years of AA or whatever program they were in, they're screwing up left and right man it's a it's not something that bam you just got it like that you got to work on yourself you got to work on becoming a different person you got to um you know really really take a look at yourself and when those people who really want to quit too they really do want to quit but it ain't easy to look at yourself in the mirror when you've done all these terrible things man and like you may not think stealing from home depot and and you know, boosting from Home Depot and then returning with receipts is, is a bad thing to get some cash for dope. But, dude, these people are out there robbing their grandparents. These people are out there uh, robbing family members, stealing cars. These people are out there taking money out of people's purses. Uh, those people, come on you you're, you're going to tell me that guy when he's sober he wants to look at that and he's going to go oh well this is this is phenomenal i'm so happy that i did this and i do not feel bad about it at all no man that's the last stuff you want to look at because you're disgusted with yourself sometimes when you're in that situation you know i uh i i totally get it i totally get why people relapse and i totally get why people don't uh get it on their first shot man so some people finally take that look at themselves see who they were and get so fucking disgusted the only way they know how to handle that is to go out and get high because no one taught them the right way and what to do in that situation so that guy's an idiot
0: yeah no i agree with you um and it could just be because they're not they've never been in the situation where they have to see this right um you know we're we're lucky at the place that i work at uh we work really close with a uh you know a recovery program and you know they offer up uh services to these people um following you know an overdose or you know something along those lines and uh it seems to be pretty effective um I don't have any numbers or anything but it, it's just great that we're recognizing that people need help and you know we're we're gently introducing that idea to them and not like forcing it down anyone's throat. Right. Because like you said, it, it's gotta be on you. Right. Like you, I can't make that decision. Like I watched you struggle and wanted to help as much as I can. But in all reality, what it boils down to is you doing it on your own, you know? Um,
1: that's a hundred percent correct. Uh, in fact, Aunt Kathy brought up to me that, uh, when me and dad were staying together in uh. You know, right, right before he died, and we were living in Painesville. There, uh, Aunt Kathy asked Dad why, uh, you know, why, why hasn't Dad helped me out? And Dad's response to her was, "He's only going to do it if he wants to do it." And that's one hundred percent correct. Right? You know, it, it's all on you. And as far as pushing it on people, you can't push nothing on nobody, man. You push me, I push back. And let's be honest, when you're using, when you're that mentally unstable, and I'll say that, most people that are addicted to drugs are not mentally sane, man. Well, they're sane, but they're not mentally stable. Uh, especially me, you know. Uh, especially most people. When the guy comes around and he's pushing Jesus down your throat, uh-uh, back up. You can't approach somebody and push Jesus down their throat. You can't push God down people's throats. But most most people don't don't handle those situations well. And I, and you know, I have nothing against that. I have nothing against people who believe in Jesus. I have no nothing against people who believe in religion. I think it's a phenomenal thing that helps people. Um, but you can't push that down people's throats. That pushes people away. And it's the same thing with recovery.
0: Right. Do you uh, do you think that? And this isn't. This isn't uh this is just a uh, a question for uh, in your opinion, right this isn't like set in stone, but do you believe that the the twelve step program kind of the like the best way of going through recovery, or do you think there's other options out there that people could do to recover
1: now as far as twelve step programs uh there's so many of them uh, but and this is gonna be. My personal opinion, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous has saved more people's life than any other 12-step program, and that's factual, factual. I know this. I've been to NA, man. I've been to HA meetings. I just spoke at an HA meeting not too long ago. Look, I'm telling you, here's what I learned. At, you know, I, I you know, and I shouldn't even be saying that, man. They, they all work if you work it. They do. Right. But the, the fellowship that that has, the people there, the, the, how understanding they are, how willing they are to reach out and help people, man. I'm, I'm telling you, in my opinion, that's, that's what I think. Uh, the, you know, I, I choose which 12-step program I see work for more people than any other 12-step program. And I'm not going to say the name again, but you, you know what I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think there's other options. I think there's people out there, who uh who can do it without a program there's weird people out there man yeah there's uh, me personally no man I need some structure I need to le- I need to know how to be an adult I need to you know learn how to be a functioning human being and and a 12-step program is what got me to that point but dude I do I know plenty of people who just stop yeah I really I really do man and and I don't suggest it because of what I've seen.
0: Yeah, even you know, what you've been through, right? I, I mean, the withdrawals yeah. and all that.
1: Yeah, my personal experience, man, I and other people I know, look, man, I just I wouldn't risk it. I wouldn't risk it. I, I, would, I would work a 12-step program.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty uh, sound advice. Again, not something that I've personally had to deal with, but again, seeing the people have gone through it, right, Dad? Uh you know, some of Dad's friends, right? Obviously, uh, we're not saying names, but y- you know, a couple of them, right? And it's it's great to see, and it's great to see, you know, you and some other mutual friends who have gone through that program, and you know, you know, are getting their stuff together. You know, it's 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 just great to see, man, because you know, it's, some people don't really know the struggle, you know. I, <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, it's just really good to see. It makes me happy.
1: Yeah. Um. You know, if there's a anything else I could say about it, look. You you're gonna do what you want to do, and if you don't want to get clean, you're not gonna get clean. But if you want to get clean, there's a way to do so. Um. Some people are gonna be full of themselves, man. Some people think that they have all the answers and they can give them to you. No one's got all the answers. Not a single person on this planet has all the answers. In fact, the guy who thinks he has all the answers needs more questions answered than anybody because right. he's that <laughs> full of himself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand. Like, nobody knows everything. No one's better than you. You're better than nobody. We're all the same. We're all humans, man. It doesn't matter uh, race, sex, religious you know, back, background, it doesn't matter what it is, man. We're all the same. Everybody's the same. I know this for a fact. I see it daily. And, uh, you know, the people that feel different are the people that are holding us back.
0: Yeah, most definitely. And I think it's something, that's something to be said about, uh, you know, submitting to your ego and, uh, kind of letting that go, right? I think that pertains to almost anything in life, right? I mean, the second you oh, stop yeah, attempting to learn or work on something because you think you're the greatest at it or you have all the answers is when you truly need to kind of let that go to learn more, right? You oh, yeah. kind of see that in everything. I mean, I'm sure you, when, you know, when you started doing jiu-jitsu, right, probably probably had to, yeah. there's a little bit of humble pie you got to eat, right? I mean, I've known that for oh yeah shit nine years now <laughs> you know what i mean oh yeah so it's in you know there's times where you think that you're getting ahead um where you think you're getting ahead and you think that you're the best at doing something and then it doesn't work right and then somebody fucking destroys you and you're like yeah. oh fuck <laughs> you know um
1: yeah man and and that 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 does um work its way in every aspect the the people with the big egos man that ego comes down someday and guess what if you haven't done anything to humble yourself at all that's going to be a really rough day for you man oh yeah it's going to be a super rough day uh the i I, you know i used to have don't get me wrong my ego still shines through from time to time like uh and i and i know it does but it's it's slightly getting better you know um being, being, You see, the people that are most free, the people that are the most accepting and understanding and just compassionate people are the more humble people, you know? Right. The, the guy that knows he's going to lose, man, the guy that understands, like, hey, you know, I lost. Let me take a step back and learn from this. Hey, show me that. What were you doing there? Get that wisdom passed down to you. Because, I mean, wisdom... You know, knowledge and wisdom are two different things. You can have the knowledge on how to do something and still not do it. Right. That wisdom is knowing to to you utilize that knowledge in that way. And that goes in every form of life, man, and especially jujitsu, man. Like there's plenty of knowledge, man. I can I can tell you what I'm looking at all day, but am I gonna fundamentally put it all together? No.
0: Right. <laughs> and that's something I'm you know? I'm even learning that in school right now, man. Like I'm uh you know, I'm taking an ethics class, right? And uh, you know, I'm I'm like, oh man, I could like repeat all this crap out, and then I had to take my midterm and failed terribly because I'm I don't understand it. It's at its base, right? And uh, right, you know, I think that's a big part is just understanding things if they're you know at the root and then working your way up instead of just you know you see the flower at the top, you know, of the the plant and but you don't understand everything that makes it create that flower, right? And, uh yeah, it's uh, it, it's definitely uh, an important part, right? And we can kind of, you know, draw parallels to, you know, submitting that ego along the lines of, you know, from recovery to jujitsu jitsu to really anything in life, right? I mean, how long have you been yeah. playing guitar and bass for now?
1: Uh. I think I started playing bass when I was eleven.
0: Okay. Did so, you
1: what, seventeen years?
0: Yeah. So do you remember a time a where long time. Yeah, that's a long ass time, right? That's <laughs> you know, it's almost an adult, <laughs> you know, it's a year off. Do you ever did you ever hit a point when you were playing where you thought that like you were the shit and then like someone destroyed you like mentally, not not even <laughs> on purpose, but
1: No. No, because my friends that were guitarists in the bands that i played in i knew i knew listening to them seeing them, you know the friends i'm talking about man. yeah they were shredders yeah they were shredders and i never took that time to learn those techniques i never you know just uh you know i i never took the time to i'd, I'd learned some songs i'd get some songs down and then when i started looking into okay what key am i playing in what scale is this you know uh I'm realizing that hey, I'm playing in C major. You know, I remember a friend of ours, both of ours, uh, taught me slight bit of music theory. I did a little couple well, you lessons can, with you them. Can, uh, you
0: can, you can definitely remember, say like, their name, right? They're C not major
1: or an A minor. I'm sitting there and I've known it. I've known it for several years. I just didn't know the name to it. You know?
0: Yeah. No. Go ahead and say. Go ahead and say his name because this is it. Doesn't have anything to do with any. You know, uh, any sobriety well, thing yeah, or but I, anything I, like that. Montgomery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh,
1: the good friend of ours from Ohio, uh, here in Ohio. He, yeah. Back when I was probably 21 or so, I took a couple lessons with him. And I remember when he ran me through, you know, like, uh, you know, a couple of the scales and everything, I, I realized I knew it. Now I had a name to it, you know, but I never learned those little guitar licks. I was always the bass player, you know. So when I'd see people like, you know, Kyle or Nick, uh, my other. You know, good friends, people I played in bands with, Bobby, uh, who still plays in a touring band currently. Uh, Shout him shred, out! Shout him out! They're shredders, <laughs> and I never, I never compared. I never compared.
0: Yeah, uh, that's fair. Um, but yeah, man, it's a uh, you know, it, I think those are just kind of a good lessons to take away, right? Uh, finding the that just the fundamentals in anything it can take you, you know miles um so hey let's well, switch
1: no no that's go where ahead, go ahead. At, man i mean you, you don't sit there and they go okay here you throw, throw a one-two that's a jab and a right straight right right throw the one-two okay don't ever practice that again but now you know it <laughs> Yeah, not going to work out too well. Nobody does that, man. You got to practice all the time. It's always the fundamentals, man. Everyone, uh, you know, I'm on Instagram. I follow all the fighters, man. I follow a buttload of MMA fighters. They're sitting there, and when they're hitting the bag, dude, they're doing the fundamentals over and over and over. Yep. You know, one, two, one, two practicing hooks practicing uppercuts going in practicing throwing the elbow over and over and over and over because that's how you need to learn it man you don't learn it by watching someone do it once and that's it right
0: yeah that, that you know again uh you know and then you just throw in different things and then add that fundamental right slipping a jab and then following up with a jab right or slipping a jab and following up with a cross um you know, just little things and then you can just build and, you know, you do those building blocks as you work your way up. But yeah, man, talking about fighters, um, let's switch gears here a little bit. Um, how about the uh, UFC 249 main event? <laughs> fifth time being, right. fifth time in Jeopardy. What's that? I said it's the fifth time that fight's in Jeopardy.
1: Yeah, well, it's, it. Khabib and Tony are not fighting
0: correct Uh, so it's it's over right like that's the fifth time they've had to cancel that fight
1: yeah well what are you gonna do yeah what are you gonna do look at the situation i mean there's nothing we can really do about it if russia shut its borders down and khabib's over in russia there ain't nothing they can do i'm sure i i just don't know man
0: Pull it, pull know, it off, Putin, pull it off. Knows,
1: you know, that he was for oh, Justin Gaethje, I even saw one that's saying, like, Conor McGregor might be Tony Ferguson's next fight, I don't want to see that shit, I don't. I'd like, I'd like to see KT Ferguson. Yeah. You want to talk about a banger, dude, you want to talk about something that, fireworks, that's fireworks over and over and over.
0: Right, yeah, that one definitely gonna be a, if they made that happen, um, there is kind of a concern that they're trying to still put on a fight even though there is, you know, this kind of generalized idea of staying home due to the, you know, the coronavirus. Um, but yeah, man, you look back at those fights that have been canceled between uh, Habib and uh, Tony Ferguson. I actually looked them up because I was curious because he keep saying it's like four times I've had to cancel it. And uh, I looked it up and the first one was... Uh, and, it's kind of funny because they just they keep continually like getting closer and closer to the fight when they had to be canceled, right? So, like, the first one, Habib, broke a, a rib six weeks out from the uh, Tough 22 finale, which is when they were supposed to fight in December 2015. The second one was Tony Ferguson couldn't get cleared because he had blood or fluid in his lungs 11 days out, right? And that was back in April of uh, 16. Then March of 17, it was canceled because... Habib couldn't make weight and he was hospitalized. Um, and then the fourth one, right, was on April 1st of 2018, Tony Ferguson blows his knee out tripping over a fucking cable. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you're like... Right,
1: Tony Tony Ferguson blows his knee out and recovers it within six months and then fights Anthony Pettis and puts a clinic on.
0: Yeah, it wasn't even... It was. It was legitimately a clinic. That was one of the most... Like one-sided ass beatings I've ever witnessed, and you well, know I, what I, I don't mean? know and Nate Diaz kind of smoked
1: Pettis the same exact way.
0: Yeah, but he didn't finish him, right? He just he won a decision on him.
1: Well, uh, Diaz won a decision, but the only reason the Pettis Ferguson fight stopped is because Pettis broke his hand, and his coach uh, Rufus uh, Duke Rufus he called it off.
0: Yeah, he that's Said true. if you have not got
1: that hand, you ain't going out there and fight. And that's that's what happened in the Ferguson fight. In the DS fight, dude, he just got his ass kicked for three rounds.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was a pretty you know? gnarly one, man. That was uh Um You know, I, I remember what I remember just watching that and almost like just like, Holy shit and you know, Ferguson being on the tear, like, I think the fight to make, obviously we want to see Habib and Ferguson and it just seems like that fight's never going to happen. <laughs> um, I would yeah, be shocked if they schedule it eventually, right, when this whole thing lifts. Um, I don't know. The you know, what
1: I, you know what I think would be a good idea? What's that? Super good idea. Khabib and Tony, official. Schedule it in six weeks of the date, dude. Stop doing these five months six months out it's like dude four months prior okay it's happening in april we've known this since january dude stop like you're you're putting all this time in between it set that thing up give them a six-week fight camp and go yeah
0: no i agree with that that would be great
1: Um, go quit hyping that motherfucker up like that dude because everyone's super excited then it keeps failing man you know what be like you know what this fight's happening in six weeks at this place it's happening
0: yeah it's gonna happen be there (laughs)
1: Right, yeah. 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 Hope. hopefully you got tickets. Yeah. But they were saying uh Francis and Ganu versus uh Rosenstrike, uh, having that on the card. Yeah. Uh, I saw this thing where Masvidal said he's ready. UFC two four nine. She's like, I'm I'm ready to go. Uh, Nico Price. God, who
0: He's my favorite one of right the now.
1: Most awesome. One of the most awesome fighters of all time. He said he's ready to go. Can you imagine a Nico Price versus Masvidal? Or a Nico Price versus Justin Gaethje? It'd be... Oh, Jesus.
0: Gnarly. Um... One of the
1: best fights. Oh, yeah, man. There's all, You know, all the good fights, man. And I'm not a big Poirier fan. But Poirier goes out there and he's, he throws down.
0: You're not a fan, huh? I, he's one I, of my I favorites.
1: Have, I, get, I get so blown away when people are like, Conor should fight Khabib. Why? Yeah. Why should he do that? I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that at all. I understand it's a money fight. People want it. Dude, you guys, the new Conor Act, he's this, new good, he's this good guy. Dude, when I was seeing all those fighters and stuff, saying like, oh, man, you know how he is with Donald Cerrone." Dude, if you cannot see through the fakeness of that guy, if you cannot see through just like, like, dude, that guy is the same exact jackass he's always been. And he hasn't changed own that man. Own it. You're yeah. a jackass. You are. Um, I, I I don't want to see you fight Khabib. I don't want to watch Khabib beat you up again. I really don't want to watch that fight again. You know what I want to watch is anybody else fighting Khabib, <laughs> dude. Yeah. You just you just beat Donald Cerrone, and I love Donald Cerrone, man. And I'm not saying this in a like, dude. Donald Cerrone is one of the most badass guys around. You know. I don't want to say. Like, it's, it's a negative thing, but he's an old guy. He's an old man. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure.
1: And I I don't mean old as in, like, super old, but I'm, I'm going to have to say he's, what, lost two fights by knockout in a row, and then he... Ferguson. Ferguson, well, Ferguson just smoked him. And then I got all messed up. Justin Gaethje just sent him to the moon yeah
0: um, yeah he did
1: <laughs> and and well really, i i don't i want to say khabib was saying that like seven out of ten of donald's last fights he lost i know that's not the case because i know he beat mike perry he beat uh alexander hernandez
0: that one was a good when i was happy with that
1: who did he beat at who'd he beat after hernandez i can't remember
0: I'm not sure. I'll look it up real quick. It
1: wasn't center of the last 10 fights that he lost, but, dude, he's on a pretty good... He's lost more than he's won in the past 10 fights.
0: Yeah, right? for sure, yeah.
1: And, uh... Um... You give him to Connor? You give him to Connor, this guy who's got a left hand for... You know, a cannon for a left hand who just moves. Dude, I've watched every Cerrone fight, man. Every single one. Cerrone ain't this dip diving slick footwork moving guy. He goes in there like a kickboxer, moving forward, slow as can be the first round, and then picks it up. You know, don't get me wrong. He's got he's got, you know, some second round finishes, first round. Um, don't get me wrong, but dude, he does not move. Like you watch any fight. Watch when he was younger when he fought Nate Diaz, man. And the way that he moved, dude, he just isn't elusive. Like how Conor is. He's in, is in and out as Conor is. Of course Conor's going to win that fight. Right. You don't hear a tune-up fights in MMA? That was a tune-up fight, dude. They gave Conor a tune-up fight.
0: Right. Yeah, so here, here's uh, Donald Cerrone's last 10. Uh, lost to Lawler. Lost to Till. Beat Medeiros. Lost to Edwards. Beat Mike Perry. Beat Alexander Hernandez. Beat Ali Aquenta. Was beaten by Tony Ferguson, right. Justin Gaethje, and Conor McGregor.
1: Right, so he's won four of his last ten. Right. <laughs> I'll give you what though. Him and that Ali had to fight. He shut Al down.
0: Oh yeah, no he's doubt.
1: Smoked a do. Yeah,
0: yeah. It was a that was a good one. I I really enjoyed that fight. Um.
1: Yeah. And, and again, I'm not saying anything wrong with Cowboy, man. I love Cowboy, and I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I, I don't think he's done. I think he takes so many fights in a row, give him a little bit of time. Uh, he fought, especially against someone like Connor. Dude, he just got knocked the fuck out a couple, like, what, a month and a half prior he fought? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that long, man. He's he's a big name and he's known as a scrapper that gave it to Connor and that's it. You know Connor should fight. Connor should fight Gagey.
0: Yeah, that'd be a good fight. Connor
1: should fight Poirier again, dude. I bet you Poirier would be um at one fifty five for Connor. Come on.
0: Yeah. That'd be a good I fight. He,
1: he beat Poirier and I and it was extremely decisive, you know? Yeah. Uh It was a a knockout, a first round knockout, man. I think it was within ninety seconds. Like it was pretty quick. I think it would go differently. I think people learn, man.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. He's one of the most like it like he's advanced more than a lot of people give him credit for. Um I mean who Yeah. He uh he's done a lot of really good um he's had a lot of really good fights. Um I remember when he first fought Max Holloway when Max Holloway first came to the UFC and he beat him.
1: Got him in a bar.
0: It an arm Was it an armbar? It was something. He submitted him. No, it, it might have been a, a it, head know, and arm.
1: A, I think it was a, a mounted arm bar.
0: Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're correct. Um, yeah, but that was forever ago now. And then, you know, yeah. Holloway held the belt for a good amount of time and really outclassed a whole lot of people um, until Alexander right. Volkanovsky came in and steamrolled him.
1: <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't call that a steamroll. Yeah. I, uh, I really wouldn't. I we, watched, we watched that fight together. We watched that at yeah, Andy's. Yeah. That's when you were in town.
0: Um, yeah.
1: Dude, it wasn't a steamroll. The only reason Alexander Volkanovsky won is because he utilized leg kicks. As far as hands go, they were landing the same. They're yeah, that's identical true. To, uh, I, like... It, when the numbers came out, the hand strikes were almost identical. The leg strikes is what edged Volkanovsky in.
0: Yeah, it was like thirty something MD, or something more, he right? A lot
1: of power, and he's hitting them, and he's doing some damage. But really, if you want to go by points, point scoring, he he edged him on leg kicks.
0: Yeah, that's true. He did, uh, but he had a, a whole boatload, of like thirty or something more, right? Like it was a, a significant number. It wasn't.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he definitely had way he oh much more leg kicks.
0: I'll, yeah. I'll
1: give it that, man, and that's why he won.
0: Yeah. And Holloway didn't utilize leg kicks in
1: the same way. If if Holloway was throwing the same leg kicks back at him, you could have seen a draw.
0: Right. Yeah, that's true. I. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I don't know why I thought he steamrolled them, but yeah, it was a good fight, man. And I really like, enjoyed that. It's because it's because you were pulling for. You were pulling for. Yeah. No, I definitely was. Me. Yeah. Dude, when you're you're
1: pulling for somebody in that fight, dude, I I liked both of them. When you're pulling for someone, dude, you, your eyes see bias. They always do.
0: Yeah, well, he's, a, he's a former rugby guy, so I kind of got to give it to him.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. You no, know. And, I, and I understand that, man.
1: I I totally get it. Look, I think Nate Diaz won the second Connor, the second fight against Connor.
0: Right. I've yeah. I've gone
1: back and watched that fight several times, man, and I still think he won that fight. Well.
0: You can't let the golden boy lose twice to the same dude. (laughs) You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. uh, You know, and I know a lot of people say that there's not bias, but I'm, dude, I hate to say it, but I'm pretty sure a a lot of the fights that we watch are, you know, if they don't go the way they want them to, they're going to be rigged, right? I mean, I don't think anyone intentionally gets knocked out or throws a fight.
1: Those judges in Texas a couple months ago.
0: Yeah, that was bad
1: that was terrible those are some of the worst decisions i've ever seen
0: yeah i'm pretty what, uh,
1: I, uh what's his name latifi i hear latifi yeah took totally beat Derek lewis and i love Derek lewis yeah i love Derek lewis when i watched that fight i was blown away that they gave that fight to Derek lewis
0: yeah me too i was pretty shocked by that but uh I'm glad.
1: taken down in two rounds, held down, and hit. I mean, I understand he did do a bunch of damage from, you know, when it was on the ground, but come on, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, I think uh, Latifi definitely took that one. Um,
1: For sure. And I love Derek Lewis, man. That guy's, one, he's hilarious, and two, he's just an animal. He's yeah. A brawler.
0: Yeah, he's super entertaining. <laughs> He's uh, he's pretty wild, but hey man, let's uh, let's wrap this up. We've been on about an hour. Um, yeah, I I really appreciate you coming on and talking about everything. Um, kind of I you know personally I think that kind of takes a lot of uh, a lot of courage to, to talk about the stuff you talked about this evening and uh, you know hopefully it can oh, help I somebody. The, I
1: gave you the watered down version.
0: I know well I know you did because we've had conversations that were a lot more in depth than that, but. You know, I, I think for what, what you talked about, I think that can definitely, you know, help somebody, you know, and I feel like that, that with this whole thing and talking about it and being open, you know, even if it helps just one person or even if it doesn't, even if it just lets people understand kind of what, what you've gone through and what other people have gone through um, for better or for worse, that, um, you know, people are out here trying. You know what I mean? It's not, oh, yeah. it's not just, uh, hey... Uh, maybe it'll just happen someday, right? Nah, like you put yourself into it and you kind of give yourself to it and put the work in, you know, you'll get it done. And honestly, man, it, it, you know, it takes, like, you know, the ego check, like we said, to get get that under control. So it's, uh, it's a good thing and I appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone, whoever listens to this, are going to appreciate, you know, you coming on and talking about it. So. For sure. Anything you want to say before we sign off?
1: Uh, no, not at all.
0: All right, cool man. Well, well uh, oh good, good.
1: Uh, total brain fart, dude. No, it's all good.
0: All right, you sure? Yep. All right. Well, uh so again, this is Kevin. Thank you for joining us this evening. Uh, thank you Brian for being here. And uh I look forward to bringing you guys more content. Maybe have him on some more talk about some fights when uh, the whole coronavirus bullshit blows over. Not saying bullshit as in it's bullshit that we have to do what we're doing, but it sucks that it's kind of destroying what we're used to and preventing us from living our lives in normal ways.
1: But yeah, thank you, Brian, and uh, I'll talk to you later.